et merci d'être avec nous pour Something New, un podcast de théâtre musical. Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a musical theater podcast. Où Joel Bay New invite ses amis merveilleusement talentueuses chez lui. Where Joel B. New invites exceedingly talented friends over to his apartment. On bavarde un petit peu. We chat a bit. Et puis, on apprend et enregistre une nouvelle chanson. And then we learn and record a brand new song. Ou ici même, on fait la grande première pour votre plaisir. Which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest is a world-renowned performer. In the, in, in the world of musical theater alone, her extensive credits include the original French production of Cats, playing Grisabella, and the recent Capital Rep revival of Jacques Brel. She's also one of the most respected interpreters of the Edith Piaf catalog, having written a one-woman show and recorded a full-length album of her work. Naturally, I am talking about Gay Marshall. Gay Marshall, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Joel. How's it going? <laughs> Fine. We're not. We're not like the image of us is not there, right? No. Oh, no, okay. No. So. Okay. So you know they can't see that you're lying on the ground. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're sweating. <laughs> it's 95 degrees. Anyway. But it's such a pleasure to have you here on this season finale of something new. You you are our grand finale. Wow. How do you say that in French? Well, grand la grande finale. There Way. you go. Voilà. Way. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Oh, I mean, I... ever since I met you, yeah. I am. I'm just really glad that you happened to think of me when you did your January premiere of, um, you know, the evening. Well, thank you. That we did at yeah, Ars Nova. Uh, in, us, in others' words. In others' words. Yeah. I just. It's just. A, you're a real inspiration to me. Quite frankly, you are a real inspiration to me. Oh, and so were so all of those fabulous singers who were there. Aren't they great? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I really. I love my my singer friends. They're mm-hmm. amazing people, including you. <laughs> um, you know, I've I've been mildly obsessed with Gay Marshall, which is an understatement, since I saw her in Jacques Brel a couple of years ago, and I just knew that I really wanted to work with her, mm-hmm. and um, I contacted you probably not too long after we were doing um, a reading of Awakening, Jane Navarro and I's musical, mm-hmm. and uh, Gay graciously uh, played Mademoiselle Rice oh, in that reading. Fun. It was that really was fun. fun. It was really yeah. fun. And um, I've just been looking for, for ways to, to, to use you when you're in town. So what, I, I, now I'm going to interview you. Oh, okay. I, I, How did you happen to come to Jacques Brel? I'm just curious that it makes me so happy that his music still attracts people of all ages um, in New York City. You know, I, uh, what was it that made you go to Brel? Um, I went with my friend Tiffin, and she... Oh, Tiffin. Yeah. Her. yeah. She's that gorgeous blonde. Yes, she is. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> I think it was at her, her behest. She's like, oh. we need to go see this. Oh. And, and I'm so glad that we I did. Because I love that music. I can't tell you. I love that music so much, and I never knew, I never heard the English until... They called me to do that because I know all the French. I mean, I'd only heard Jacques Brel in French. Yeah. My husband introduced me to Jacques Brel. I didn't even know about Jacques Brel. And then we took this either. long trip together, and he had, the, he had the book of the lyrics in the glove compartment. That's how much <laughs> he loves Jacques Brel. Wow. So imagine my, you know, beyond delight and amazement when I got to sing that. I mean, you know, it has such a romantic connection for me because of Jean-Louis. Oh. And then to be able to sing it every single night, it was 
it was just a, a, a kind of a small miracle for me, anyway, and to get back to New York Absolutely. after being in Paris because, you know, everyone says, oh, you live in Paris, oh my God, but, you know, I love New York. I want to be in New York, well, so. Well, we love having you here. <laughs> On behalf of New York, <laughs> I say I'm glad we're, you're here. Um, so, so, yeah, I just have a couple of questions, if I may. Um, oh my God, you didn't say you were going to ask me questions. <laughs> so I asked um, Gay over because not only is she just an amazing musical theater performer, but, but she does all these other things. Um, she has her one-woman show. She records albums. She, she's a, a real concert solo, uh, performer, I guess I would say. I mean, what would that, like a solo artist? Would that... I guess, yeah, but I do like working with other people because really I've yeah. done so many things alone. You know, I wrote a couple of one-woman shows yep. and the, 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 that's a real challenge and I'm really glad I did them and I'll probably do them again, yeah. but man, I like working with other people. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very lonely enterprise to, to, be, to have all the stress on you and to have, well, everything is just sort of hanging on how, uh, your mood, your health, your, well... Yeah, it's all up to you. And that, that is really, really tough. There is, of course, that moment when the show is finally up and you're on stage and then the musicians, you know, they're, they're like gold. Yeah. And there is a little bit of relief there, but man, it's... Uh, yeah, I like working with other people. <laughs> so, so when you're approaching your solo work, whether it's a concert or it's a one-on-one show or it's re- recording an album on your own versus, you know, getting into a room with, with a cast of, mm-hmm. of, of performers and a director and a choreographer and et cetera. How, do you approach those differently? Yeah. On, you know, oh yeah. On day I, I one? mean, well, there's one thing that I, that I always approach the same way, which is it's very hard for me to perform a song and rehearse the song all the time. Because one thing that I think kills the spontaneity of delivery is to practice how you're going to sing it. And so, like, I'll sing tons of other things that maybe will warm up my voice for that thing, um, for whatever I'm going for, but not the actual song. I, will, I almost never will rehearse the actual songs I'm going to sing before I do a concert because I have to know them like crazy, of course. I have yeah. to know them in my sleep. Yeah. But I feel as though it kind of kills the, the, the... It takes the heart out of the song if you're planning, if you've planned on the way you're going to do it all the time. Gotcha. Is it the same as, you know, any of your, like, like banter in between songs? Do you, is... Oh, yeah, that's never me, set. I don't really... I, I have some bullet points, and then I just let it yeah. go. I think otherwise it's just deadly. I agree. I mean, I've watched people do patter, and it just... And you can so, tell it's scripted. Well, and... I, I don't know. I, get, I, I fall asleep. I mean, really, my limbs start to fall asleep. I just <laughs> get so, oh... Because I think that the thing that makes people the most interesting on stage is vulnerability. And when you're all set to do something and have everything memorized, of course, in a play or something, it's quite different. You try to find the vulnerability in the text that you've memorized. But I think when you're being yourself, like in a concert, and you memorize exactly what you're going to say, it just comes off stilted, comes off just kind of cold. I agree. Uh, yeah. so, so speaking of your, your solo work, you know, you, you found, you've, you've found Edith Piaf. Mm-hmm. And and her her rep. Mm-hmm. Now, when you approach doing her work, how is that different from when you're approaching, you know, just a song that doesn't have 
a person attached to it. Do you know what I'm... Yeah, it doesn't, it's no different. Because okay. I don't imitate her, so it, do, it, it makes no difference. Right. Her <clears throat> songs are so compelling to me because of the human stories behind them. And because I know everything about the people who wrote for her and what she was going through. So that does have an added dimension, but the actual song, I think I just love to sing songs that I can see. I have to see them. Hmm. They're like, I'm, I'm sure this is nothing original, but they're just like little movies to me. And I really see incredible detail in them. And if I can't, then I can't sing it. And some songs that I really, really love to hear other people sing, I, I don't do a thing for them. Like, don't ask me to sing Summertime. You know, it just, it just won't thrill you. It's you know, a good song, but... I mean, it's a, it's a great, it's a gorgeous, great, iconic song. But it's, I mean, it's just funny like that. If something doesn't speak to me, it's really, I mean, to me personally, if I don't feel like it comes out of my gut, then I'm just no good at it, you know, and hey, yeah, you and, can't and sing everything. And obviously you found that in, in all of Edith Piaf's work. I gotta say that, the, yeah, that stuff really, 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 really speaks yeah. to me. Obviously... Piaf songs are in French, mm-hmm. and you speak French fluently, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, tell me a little bit about how you um, go about, because you're, you're not French. No. You're from Ohio. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. Uh-huh. Which is amazing. Which, I mean, <laughs> if you, you see Gay Marshall, and you're like, who, who's this gorgeous, exotic person? You, you just, you, you just, I just do not just see you, and I go, oh, she's from Cleveland. <laughs> like, I don't, and I don't mean to offend any of my Cleveland listeners. <laughs> I just, you know... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and so, so you you speak French, and so when you approach a French text song, mm-hmm. how how do you go about interpreting that? Well, I'm curious as, as someone who speaks English I, first. Yeah, because I well because I speak um, fluent French, um, it's really like singing an English song to me. Quite frankly, uh, the challenge in that album was the translations, because I. Translations are really tricky in that you have, I feel like you have to be true to what the original author put down. Uh-huh. And yet, if you're literal, often you can kill the nostalgia, the, or the atmosphere, not nostalgia, but the, the, the atmosphere of the song. And so it's a really tricky business to get the feeling and the meaning and make it sit on the music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I don't like, I don't like it when tonic syllables, you know, when, when something is supposed to be like before and it's before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when, when, yeah, I yeah, hate when the syllables that. are mistressed. Yeah, and, and so because French has exactly the same, French, French is very predictable in their cadence, the way that they put the accents on the syllables, it's always the same. Whereas in English, it's, it changes. You can have a three-syllable three syllable word where the accents on the first one or the second one or the third one, mm-hmm. you know, they're not all the same. So that's really, that's a big challenge in the translating business is to get it to sit on the music and also to feel as though you've, you're going to give the same feeling to the audience as you got when you heard it in French. That's really hard. When you do French in front of, of an English-speaking audience, mm-hmm. what's going through your head? Do you feel like you have to over-emote or over... I mean, how... Oh, no. Oh, no. I feel like if you're for real, it's going to fly. That's mm. all there is to it. If you are for real, it's going to fly. If you're thinking about how you're getting over, 
it's not going to fly. Or, or it's going to fly with people that I don't want it to fly with. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, oh, no, I never even worry about that. And besides, why should I? I mean, when Edith Piaf was popular in this country, no one understood what she... I mean, the people who didn't speak French didn't understand what she was singing, but they loved it. Mm-hmm. Because there is something about what, what somebody's you know, love of what is... Or, or passion for what they're doing... It comes through. People move me all the time, even if I can't understand what they're singing. Like, I don't speak Portuguese, but I love tango singers, and um, you know, I don't speak Spanish, and I love a lot of Spanish songs. And I could listen to the Gypsy Kings for a very long time, you know? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think that matters. I really don't think that matters. But at the same time, I think a whole evening of French, if you don't speak French, is a little heavy going. So... That's why I did these translations. And I tried in several songs to go from English to French and back to English so that you still really do have that so you're along for French the ride, atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, but you get what I'm talking Thanks. about. So. Um, transversely, have you ever sung English for a French-speaking audience? Oh, God. That was like... That was like the bane of my existence. It seems so funny that I was singing French in the States, then I go to France, and I, I sing a lot of English. A lot of people think I don't sing in English, you know, but I do, I really do. And um, I love funny, funny songs. Like, I love Noel Coward, and I love Dave Frischberg. Do you know who Dave Frischberg is? He wrote Peel Me a Grape. Oh, that's uh, a great song. Yeah, oh, he's written many, many, many great songs. And so when I was singing in clubs in Paris, I was always singing English. Um, that's just the way it turned out. And then when I came back here, I was always singing French. It's just weird. <laughs> Let me tell you something about that, okay? Please, please okay. tell me. Because when we Dish. did Cats mm-hmm. in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, it was in French. And here's the thing that just gets me about the French. Is that afterwards, people saying, oh, la, la, but why was this in French? It should have been in English. And you know that if we'd done it in English, they would have said, oh, but we are in France. Why is this not in French? You know, so go figure. <laughs> go figure. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think there's this sort of love-hate thing going on where I think France really kind of wants to be American, but they, uh, of course, have to keep their Frenchness of at the same time. And they must. It's fabulous. Frenchness is fabulous. <laughs> it is. Put them on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, Frenchness <laughs> is fabulous. Yes. Foreign languages have had a long-standing history in American musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, just to name a few, West Side Story, the recent revival. Mm-hmm. You know where they incorporated Spanish into the into the score into the text. Mm-hmm. Um, the Light in the Piazza, where mm-hmm. full scenes were were spoken and sung in Italian. Foreign language in, in musical theater. Do you think there's a, a place for it. Yeah. I think I think that languages like when I talk to my husband, we don't speak in one language, unfortunately, so we don't really get better <laughs> at either one because we do franglais and we just pick whichever word seems to like hit the nail on the head for that particular <laughs> sentence. And I think that it's a richness. I think it gives a a richness. I would love to know more languages, by the way, because words they just they just do something to you like uh like you, there's no English word for ringard. I love this word, ringard. And it's like the only thing we have is corny. But someone who's ringard is like, it would be a paragraph for me to... But in French, you could just look at someone and say, oh, qu'il est ringard. I, you know, and then, and then they don't have a word for fun. 
for Christ's sake. I mean, what's that about? You know, amusement. It amuses me. You know, that's different (laughs) than fun. So they kind of adopt our words. Hmm. You know, they kind of say, oh, mais c'est très fun. To go back a little bit on solo work Mm -hmm. and creating one-person shows and and things like that, how do you market yourself, gay Marshall? Oh, I don't know. You know, How because because you do so you, you do so many different things. You mm-hmm. know, all you know they all fit in the same bag, but the same. You know, <laughs> you know what, Jill? I don't know because I'll tell you something. I did not have a picture for picture resume for ages because I was. I mean, I am so ridiculous the way I would just fight the whole world. I just said one picture, like one picture. It's going to give you an idea of what I can do. No, sorry. I'm not having a picture. And when I did Chorus Line, even when I did Chorus Line in New York, um, you know, at the end, I've got to get this show, you know, and you hold up your picture resume. Everyone else's picture looked like, you know, an 8 by 10 Uh resume picture. What was yours? And mine looked like a snapshot someone had taken. (laughs) I don't know. I, I have a very... Very maybe counterproductive um, stubborn streak that I'm of course I've gotten over it now, but I mean it's it's kind of silly. Uh, so I don't know how to market myself because I want to do all of these different things, and like I I did a Cleveland Pops Orchestra concert last year that was just I, I was absolutely thrilling, you know, to just stand on this glorious stage in Cleveland, this really, really beautiful place called Severance Hall, and sing with an orchestra, hmm. you know? So there's that. And then there's, like, I wrote this other show called If I Were Me that's really funny. And it's about, oh, I'm an American actress, and I moved to Paris. Oh, that was a good idea. You know, like... <laughs> You know, so then there's there's that. So there's a lot of acting. And then here, the last agent I had would only submit me for French things. And hmm. that's how I ended up on, in La Cage aux Folles for a long time. But it's very, yeah, it's very weird. I don't know. But I do have a wonderful, wonderful publicist named Betsy Ann Faella. And she, like, narrows it down when I do a project. I'm an actress. You know, I went to English drama school, the mm-hmm. Bristol Old Vic, and I thought I was really headed towards classical theater. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. My real dream was to be, and is, to be in a rep company where they might do musicals, you know, and then I could do a little concert after the show sort of thing. But I would love to be doing Shakespeare and Ibsen and Tennessee Williams and then something brand new. And I mean, I, Yeah, that's, yeah. Would you have any advice for those who who are starting out in cabaret, wanting to do a solo album, wanting to do a one-person show. Yes, I do. I do, actually. What do you know? I have some advice. I had a feeling. Be yourself, you know? Because I have seen people in cabaret shows where they are trying to be someone else and sound like someone else. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter what you sound like because what's compelling about someone on stage is themselves, their personality, their uniqueness. And I've heard people say this before, so I know I'm not saying nothing new, but I can't tell you how important that is. And, and like, we don't care. I mean, we, as an audience member, I don't want to worry about you. I don't want to think, oh, my God, can they hit that note? Or are they nervous? Are they, you know, right. uncomfortable? You've got to enjoy it. You've got to have fun. I know there's lots of nerves involved, but once you get up there, I mean, like, I'm really nauseous before I get on stage. It's It's... 
it's inexcusable actually because I have been at this for a while and I get really really scared but once I'm up there I must admit there's no place else I'd rather be and I have a good time and I really think you've just you've got to have a good time and you've really got to not worry you know you I, I got to say one thing that frustrates me about a lot of Broadway singers and about great singers great singers boy they are hitting those notes at such a volume but it sounds like everybody else what is your voice? That's what I'd say. What's your voice? What do you sound like? What does that song do to you? Mm-hmm. That's of what I want to see. What you're doing to that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it comes from your heart and soul, you'll be fine. I think. I love that. No, I, I totally agree. I love that. <laughs> now comes the time where we set up the song. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so oh, Joel, I've loved working on this song with you. I loved working on this with you. You, you, yeah. you have made this song so much better. Well, I had serious material to work with. Let's face it. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm so happy because what we tried to do this what three times? Three's yeah. the charm. This yeah, is the third time. Charm. There's the charm. There you go. So, so I wrote this song exclusively for Miss Gay Marshall, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's for a project that a friend of mine is working on, um, where a bunch of uh, of her artist friends are putting together monologues and stories about memories, essentially, like really momentous days that they remember very vividly. And she asked me to come on board and write a song that kind of speaks of that theme. And so I, I wrote this, you know, I, I was like, what a coincidence. I have Gay Marshall coming over <laughs> and I need to write something for her. And, and so I, you know, took those two birds and I took my stone and wrote a song and um, it's beautiful thank you beautiful melody oh yes and great words I'm hey (laughs) I'm interrupting you no no please please you can interrupt me with a compliment oh okay (laughs) any day of the week any day of the week (laughs) so it was it was such a pleasure um remember if you like the song which is called button in my pocket Uh, Remember that it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page. That is until the next podcast goes up. I'm taking like a three-month hiatus um, to write more songs and to work on projects. And when we come back, we'll have a whole new batch for you. (laughs) And uh, and if you'd like to request the sheet music, you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF of the song. Um, Make sure you like my fan page on Facebook. And visit joelbnu.com and gaymarshall.com. Which is so out of date, it's criminal. But there are my two CDs there that you can get at CD Baby. CD Baby. (laughs) Such a colorful website. I like it a lot. I do too. Yeah. And you just got new headshots with uh, with Mr. Billy Bustamante. Billy Bustamante, who is a dream. If you need headshots, you have got to go to this guy. And if you want to see someone great on stage, you have got to go see him on stage too. Make sure you're subscribing to this podcast, even though we're going to be gone for a little bit, and tell your friends. From my apartment in Astoria, this is Joel B. New. And Gay Marshall saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
Yes, I too have such a trinket. It's hit me hard and fast. That's the way that your heart behaves when you thought the past had passed. Still, it's nice to know it. 